0: Hello and welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host for today, Michael Martin, and I am joined for the first time for my time being here with a legend in sports broadcasting and legend in sports writing, Barry Trammell. Barry, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good.
1: Uh, You're the first person that ever called me a legend in sports broadcasting.
0: So thank you for
1: the uh, salutation. We'll see if others march in step with you.
0: First time for everything, but we're here to talk about the Thunder. There was a magic night in OKC on Tuesday. It felt like felt like a big momentous game for the Thunder as they win their fourth straight game for the first time since 2020. But I wanted to really talk about is just how great Shea was that night, including get MV- including getting MVP chance uh, chance that seemed all but deserved. Well, <laughs> just completely, well,
1: yeah. he was great. And then I thought he was great Thursday night. And I'm starting to think maybe he's just going to be great all the time. Um, I've I've actually looked, you know, I, I I look at a lot of different metrics um, just to see what the heck's going on. And Shay's game uh, against uh, Orlando was only his fourth best game out of seven, using game score from BasketballReference.com. Now that metric's not any better than anybody else's. But it just goes to show you it, it doesn't really uh, it doesn't really stand out. I mean every every game except a couple have been phenomenal. The phenomenal efficiency, big clutch plays, uh, leadership, all those things. I mean he's having an all star season so far, and at the age of twenty four, I mean I think all of us are starting to think he's taking another step up you know, from from a pretty high status anyway so very encouraging on that front you know the thunder's been you know the sort of re, re tore down the uh tore down the uh house to rebuild and the theory the the hope the desire has always been hey go get two more superstars well looks like uh looks like they've got their one looks like they've got their one
0: Think you're right, and especially it looks like the biggest leap he's taken so far is on the defensive end. What have you seen there?
1: Oh, I like uh, I like what he's seen. You know, of course, he's when he was when he was tr- traded for. Yeah, you know, that was the that was the claim, man. Eh? This is a six six guard with long arms and quick, and you know he probably can become a defensive stopper. You know, it reminds us old timers of when w- Russell Westbrook was drafted, and people were saying. You know, I don't know if he's going to be very good on offense, but he could really be a shutdown defender. Well, you know, it turns out uh, he could play some defense, but offense was his bread and butter. Um, And SGA's offense clearly was was understated on that Paul George trade, his potential. Uh, And we haven't really seen him become a – what's the word? He's not an A-list defender. Part of that's because he's been a three-year teammate of Luka Dort, and he hasn't had to be. He's rarely going to be on the other team's best player. I mean, Dort's a guy that guarded his assignment Saturday night was Luka Donkic. His assignment Tuesday night was uh, Benchero. So he's guarding guys way bigger, way stronger, all those things. Um, so SGA's defense has sort of fallen. His performance hadn't fallen, but just people watching it or caring about it. So um, he seems to be more engaged. Some of that is going, goes in my mind with just the newness of the season, the chance to expedite the rebuild. You know, if the Thunder wins 25 of their first 50 games, you know, there's no tank. They're going to, here we go. So I think he's more engaged, reinvigorated. But he clearly has the potential to be a, a big-time defender. The one thing I've noticed, he's actually guarding bigger people more this year. Um, Thunder's playing a lot of small lineups. Let's see who was he guarding last night. Michael Porter is, I think that's who. He, I think he was guarding Michael Porter. Good.
0: Guarded Michael Porter for stretches. He guarded Aaron Gordon for stretches. He was guarding about anybody except for yeah. Jokic. I don't know
1: that anybody was guarding Aaron Gordon last night. But uh, but he was doing pretty good. Uh, he he was hanging with Michael Porter. Porter was non factor in that game. So yeah, I agree. I think he's I think he's making steps defensively. And I just like the versatility, this idea that he's guarding bigger people. Cause we never really thought of him in that vein. But, you know, the best teams have guys who can guard a lot of people and the switching doesn't matter. When you got when you got Lou Dort, you want him on the best player, but you know, teams are smart. They know how to they know how to get Dort off their main guy. Nice.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned it—you mentioned it in passing about Lou Dort guarding Paolo Bancaro. I got the stats right here in their individual matchups. Fifty-one possessions, Bancaro was guarded by Lou Dort. Only four points, two assists, two turnovers, two of five from the field. Yeah, he
1: got—he ended up. I think he had 15 points by games in, but some of, a lot of that was after you know when Dort was out of the game and some other stuff was happening. I, yeah, I thought Dort was spectacular, but when you got a Dort you don't really pay attention to other people's defense. So uh, I'm with you. I think SGA has made some strides defensively, and that's very encouraging because he can, you know, he can do things that most people can't because of his, his agility. He might be the most agile person in the NBA in terms of, you know, what he can do with his body uh, contortion. Who was it? Somebody called him a contortionist. So uh, we always think of that with, with the ball in his hands and around the basket. But if you can use that kind of um, ability on defense as well, that's another level.
0: Yeah, and we saw some of that in the uh, early seasons with him with OKC, especially in that three-guard lineup year towards the bubble with Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder where he had to play up a little bit. But I think the biggest thing for him right now is just how much he's improved his body where he can guard those bigger players like you were talking about. Yeah,
1: and, you know, he doesn't look – to my mind's eye when i see sga i don't think well he's booked up or he's a lot bigger but i need to go back i wonder if we went back let's see he got traded in july of 19. i think that's right he got traded in july of 19. so if we went back and looked at him you know in august of 19 or i think it was august is when we he first came to town or even in training camp september of 19. it's three years ago I wonder what, the appearance of his body. Does he look bigger, stronger? It's been gradual. So to us, when we look at him now, probably not. But if we did a side-by-side, we'd probably see a noticeable difference.
0: Yeah, I think he's you're done
1: right. from 21 to 24. I mean, he's, you know, most people, That's a, you know, unless you're a college football player on steroids, 21 <laughs> to 24, you make quite a bit of jump, more so than, say, 18 to 21 often. So... I think I think uh, I think he is getting more physically, more physically uh, robust and able to handle somebody like a porter or uh, you know a bigger player.
0: Well, Jalen Williams made his um, starting debut for the Thunder the other night uh, against Orlando. What did you think about him coming in? Since the only other real minutes he's had were when he uh, had his face kind of busted up in Minnesota and then then some time in Dallas. Well, I
1: love everything about Santa Clara. Um, he's not uh he didn't play as well or he wasn't as impactful against the nuggets as he was against the magic, but that's okay. He's a rookie. um, he just gets things done. um he seems to have a nice uh sense of uh of the court knows when to cut, when to pass though so he he just seems to know how to play. um you know his shooting is just so so uh from outside, but he's he's pretty good at the rim. He's aggressive. He's thick. Boy, I like thick ball players. You know, Dort and Williams when they're on the court, you know, they can they can run some interference. So uh, I like everything about the guy. Um, I don't know if the mask is bothering him or not. You know, you hear people say it has to. It's not a real intrusive mask. I once broke my nose as an adult just playing wreck basketball. Still wanted to play, so somebody lent me a face mask. So I played with a you know mask for a couple of months and it's a total hassle. Um, I assume it's a hassle to him even though he's got the best technology out there. It'll be nice when he can get that thing off his face uh, so that orbital fracture can can uh, you know be fine without it. but he's I really like him he's he's just involved. you know so many times if you're not a rookie, what's the word? Uh, sort of a franchise rookie, you know, Banchero, somebody like that. If Holmgren was playing, same with him. I mean, they'd be involved, but a lot of times rookies, we saw this with Poku. We saw it with, uh, we see it a little with, with uh, Zhang. We see it with guys who clearly are prospects and they're sort of out there just trying to fit in. I don't think Santa Clara is trying to fit in. He's involved. I mean, he's, He's engaged. He's out there saying, what can I do besides stay out of the way? And I like that about him. So his attitude really, uh,
0: his demeanor really appeals to me. I think you hit it right on the head with that one. I don't know that if you just didn't tell people that he was a rookie and you just watched him play, I don't think any pe- yeah. anyone would really have an idea about it. And I think that's the biggest thing that speaks to what you're talking about compared to guys yeah. like Jang and Yeah, I like that.
1: I like that. I think like he's he he looks like a veteran. He looks like he's been around. He you know, if you if you put him out there with Aaron Wiggins um, or Kenrich Williams, uh, you'd say, well, he sort of plays like them. He's not really He's not really uh, – he doesn't stand out as a rookie.
0: Hmm. Well, moving on to the game from last night, Denver wins 122 to Oklahoma City's 110, breaks their four-game win streak. Uh, what did you see last night? It looks like they got from a, off to a blistering pace, 13-0 against the Thunder, and the Thunder just couldn't really ever climb up that mountain and stay on top.
1: Well, I'm encouraged because that's – I mean, to me it was an encouraging game. Because that's a game where you can get blown out. The Thunder was outshot by 31 percentage points from three point range. Fifth, I think it was 58 27. I think that's what it was.
0: And when 58 to 20. 58 to
1: 20. They got, oh, 38 percentage points for crying out loud. And when you get bombarded like that from three point range, it's almost impossible to win. And well, let's see, they got it. They got outscored uh thirty six points from deep. And yet they made a game of it. They had a chance, they led after three. Um, they didn't really go away until the last you know two or three minutes. Denver put it away. So if you if you're gonna get avalanched that badly in such an important part of the game, it takes it takes some skill and some and some intestinal fortitude just to stay in the game. I was encouraged by that. I was not encouraged by the fact that they got outscored by 36 points from three-point range. For the long-term future, that's not you know that can't happen. Um, in in baseball parlance, for the modern baseball fan. Most of the league is hitting home runs and the Thunder is still playing small ball. Um, You cannot win without threes in the modern NBA. You're not going to win. You just can't do it. Same way as in Major League Baseball. You can't win not hitting home runs. You just, it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, the math is just not there. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have to make threes. And uh, Yeah, and so
1: this is not the roster that's going to take the Thunder to the the promised land of the playoffs. That's not going to happen there's not enough shooting out there uh but what they do have is enough they have enough players that if uh you know if in my mind if they get a shooter or two and heck chet holman would help a bunch but um you know they've they've got the pieces around in place for when they can get some shooting to take a significant jump but they gotta I, i guess the one thing you can hope for is people since you can't shoot. Don't shoot in terms of a massive a number. I mean, last night they shot 29 threes, if shooting 21%. If they'd have shot, you know, 42 threes and shoot 20%, well, you you know, that means you're probably out of the game. So limiting the threes is nice, keeps you in a game. But the way to win is you got to make some. So what do you think? What do you think SGA goes without a three? He goes with Whoa, 3. What what do, you, what, do you, what do you think is is that good is that bad? That I had mixed feelings about that.
0: In the press conference afterwards, he just talked about just taking what was given to him and what was open, and Dagnall said the same thing. He said I'd be more concerned if he wasn't getting to the line or if he wasn't getting to the lane, if he wasn't shooting threes and it was all contested mid-range shots, but to me it's not a huge deal. It just puts even more pressure on the other guys that they need to space the floor if he's not going to be doing that and I don't know how mad you can be at somebody like SGA if he's filling it up from everywhere else on the floor. I think it does come back a little bit on those other guys to space it.
1: Yeah. I just, that that's really the only hole in his game is he's a little bit of a mediocre, not a little bit. He's he is a mediocre three point shooter, 34%. I think it's for his career uh, and sort of been going down since he got here. Um, if he could become a thirty-five, thirty-six percent three-point shooter, then you know, then it's fantastic. It gets even better than that. Was he? Was he forty percent or forty-one percent his sec- his first year here? He shot really well the yes. Chris Paul year. Yes. So, um, if of course he might be the NBA's best player if he got over forty percent from three-point range, but um, I just think at some point SGA is going to have to make threes because people will you know the longer the season goes and in a potential playoff people will game plan and scheme to to get the ball out of his hands on those drives they're not they're not going to let him you know in the regular season you don't stop his drives if he if he gets in the paint he's trouble but you can there's things you can do to keep him out of the paint and that of course that's where teammates 3 point shooting comes in but if he could if he could develop that shot some, I would hate to see him just quit shooting threes. I guess it's really what I'm saying. I'm, I'm wanting him to shoot threes because I I want him to eventually be able to make them at a pretty good rate.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone can disagree with that. I don't think he's made a three since the second Clippers game. I think he was 0-2 for 2 against both the Magic and the Mavericks. So we'll see going forward. But he had a great game other than that. Um, looks like... Uh, you know, Josh Giddy had a bounce back game after looking a little bit rusty against the Magic. He looked a lot better last night. He
1: did. He finished strong. Um, he still looks lost is the wrong word, but he still looks a little uneasy. And part of it is he's he doesn't seem to be in control of the offense quite as much as he did, say, down the stretch last season. Part of that's the cohesion with SGA. Um I thought it was interesting um that Dagnault Tuesday night sort of staggered the minutes with uh, SGA and, and uh Giddy, but last night he didn't. You know, Dork played some backup point guard with both of them on the bench. I think Dagnault's probably just experimenting, see what needs to seeing what he can learn, seeing what needs to happen. But did um, he make two threes? I was pleased with that. I think he was was he two for six from deep? I think
0: uh, two for two four. For four. Well,
1: even better. So on a, you know on the Thunder, that's like eight for a nine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> you know he he's he really stood out. But um, he played pretty good. But he still I don't know if it's rust. I don't know if it's unease. Whatever the right word is, he still seems to be trying to fit in a little bit after after all that wasn't all that long a few games but that with them with the sprained ankle so um you know they're really high on him and i don't know there's any reason to get down on that i just think second year guy still finding his way and um here's what i'd say he doesn't seem to be having as much fun as he did last year the the flair the You know, the passes, every once in a while you'll see a really cool pass, but um, I don't know. I I think the truth is probably he's still learning to play with SGA because they didn't do it all that much last year uh, after SGA got shut down. So um, I think that's something to keep an eye on is the meshing of these two guys who clearly the Thunder hopes are cornerstones.
0: That's something we'll get into later, but I agree. It seems like they're coexisting, which is nice, but there wasn't a ton of overlap other than that stretch in the third quarter. Yeah. Um
1: what's interesting about these three guys, Dort, Giddy, SGA, is they all have all kinds of talent. SGA, of course, more so than the other two, but it's not uh they're all different kinds of players. They don't have They don't really double up too much on skill they all do different things at a very high level. So if you could get, you know, to me, that's a positive, but if you can, if you can find a way to mesh those guys as much as possible, that just enhances the, the, uh, the promise of this team, the, uh, uh, the future and whatever they might be able to, uh, you know, reap out of this potential.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, moving on, you talked in the last Thunder Buddies you were on with Joe was uh, your Three Games In podcast. We've played a few more games since then, looks like um, about five since then. What are your biggest takeaways and biggest things that you've seen that have been biggest problems, biggest successes for the Thunder so far since then?
1: Well, I mean, we've touched on the biggest problem. This team can't shoot a lick. Um, If the Lakers are worse than this team, which I guess they are, they've got a worse deep ball percentage, I mean, that's pretty bad. Um, but on the positive side, I see some development in some players. I have think I might have to wear the hat of uh, I was wrong. I think Poku's an NBA player. I think he's shown just in eight games. He's an NBA player. He did something last night I'm not sure any of us thought we'd ever see. And that was – he was on the floor – on purpose, he dove for the ball, recovered it. Led, I think it led to a, a fast break. Uh, yeah, in fact, his daughter, somebody got a dunk out of it. Yeah. I mean, think think about how many times over the last two years we've seen Pokashevsky fall down. And it was just because, you know, he got knocked down. He's not strong enough to take it, or he stumbled or whatever. And then the last year, Dagnall had actually sort of gotten his grill to some degree about his – about his uh, fire and intensity and ability uh, willingness to you know batten down the hatches and jump into the fire and uh certainly didn't see him diving on the floor and last night we saw him dive on the floor wrangle a ball from the map uh, from the uh, nuggets so that was incredibly encouraging to me plus just the way he's playing uh he's becoming a rim protector um That's very nice. His passing is developing. He's not a turnover machine. His shot is pretty good. Um, He doesn't really stand out as a bad shooter on this team. You got to shoot really bad to stand out as a bad shooter on this team, and he doesn't do it. So, you know, power to him. So I'm really pleased with Poku. I think he's really developed. Uh, He's got a future. I don't know what that future is. But he's, you know, he's not going to be back in Serbia this time next year. I'm, uh, I think we know that. So, um, De- Baisley remains an enigma. I like him on defense. Boy, I like him on defense. Um, he's not real tough with the ball. I wish he was tougher with the ball. He had a play last night. I forgot how the ball, but the ball, I think he's a long rebound. or maybe somebody tapped it out and he went to grab it and he got it and jamal murray came around and just took the ball from him and Mm -hmm. went to the hoop and got fouled um you got to be stronger with the ball he's a good rebounder he gets his hands on a lot of rebounds he just needs to be tough and when he's around the basket he doesn't finish very well at all but man i like his defense he he can guard people and he can protect the rim um, was it Gordon? I think he rejected a Gordon shot at the rim or Porter he did. Or Gordon, yeah, he did. whichever one it was really nice play. Cause if it's Gordon, you know, that's, that's a, that's an ox of a player, Aaron Gordon. He's not one to let people pushing him around in the paint and, uh, basically stood in there with him and blocked his mm-hmm. shot. So I like a lot of his game, but I just, just when you think he's going to get over the hump, something happens and you're not sure. So, um, Let's see, what else in terms of, uh, you know, Trey Mann is going to be like every other uh, instant offense off the bench. It's going to be hot and cold. Um, doesn't matter if you're Jamal Crawford or Jordan Clarkson or whoever. That's going to happen. So he's doing that, and to me that's encouraging because that's, that's what great sixth men do is, if you know, if they – if they were more consistent, they'd be playing 34 minutes a game and starting. So uh, I think he's – I'm not saying he's those guys yet. I'm saying he's on the track to potentially be that. I think he's a guy that can create a shot. He didn't do much last night, but uh, I've been pretty imp- – I've been pleased with, with Trey Mann. Um, Jeremiah Robinson Earls, he's an interesting player. Yeah, he's been inconsistent. Yeah, and he, you know he's pretty good last night, but I just just worry about him getting overpowered. I don't know what he can, where you can put him on defense if you're a good team. I just, what do you do with him if you're on defense if you're a good team? If you're a bad team, you don't worry about it. You you know let him develop his strengths, but I just don't know who he can guard uh, when it's a good team. That worries me. Maybe the Thunder has an idea. Maybe they're trying to develop it.
0: Maybe I don't know. I think the idea with him is, um, and you see this with a lot of other good teams right now, is you have your traditional five, which would be him, and then you have a guy on the weak side, sort of like Chet, which I think they're grooming for him to play with Chet. Like Boston has it where Al Horford guards the actual center and Embiid, but then they have Robert Williams helping on the help side, or Brooke Lopez does that, and then Giannis kind of freelances a little bit. I think that's more of the idea, but obviously there's a giant Chet, uh, sized missing piece in the equation for the Thunder. Well, let me ask you:
1: What's your impression? And maybe there's no reason for you, anybody, to know this without looking it up. I wonder how Robinson Earl has played with Baisley this year, or even last year, I guess, because um, Baisley's turned into a pretty decent rim protector. I wonder. I wonder if uh, there's been any any signs with using that concept hopefully, you know, hopefully Holmgren's a lot better than Darius Baisley, but you know, Baisley coming over to, to compensate for, for JRE's uh, potential shortcomings in the paint. I don't know.
0: I think those defensive lineups have been pretty good. They've been switchable, but yeah, he's just not the same rim protector that Chet is, who's kind of a generational prospect with stuff like that. But you mentioned the stuff about Poku and I'd like to throw it back to what I said about Jalen Williams. If you just, didn't know about Poku the last couple of years and you just watched him this season, I don't think you'd have any idea why people were talking about him the way he, they are about him messing up and things like that. He's really eliminated a lot of those plays where it used to be three or four every night. Now it's maybe one every two games. Yes,
1: and you know, Dagnall in the preseason had that great quote talking about, you know, if you just landed in a spaceship, you know, came out and said, watch the Thunder practice, you'd say, hey, that guy's pretty good. Poku and of course this was in the preseason we hadn't seen him play all of us thought yeah right we've seen Poku um but he the one thing we have to remember and this is what this is what just you know should elevate and thrill any Thunder fan about that Dallas game the 16 point uh deal is how young this team still is. I mean, Poku still, was. he still? He's 20, I think. Yes. Um, yes. Everybody, you know, who, which game was it? Was it Orlando? I think it was Orlando Tuesday night. kenrich Williams and Mike Muscala didn't play. The two guys, you know, old enough to drink or vote or whatever, you know, whatever joke you want to make, didn't play. Literally everybody else, the old man were, were the old men were SGA and Aaron Wiggins, 24 years old. A bunch of twenty and twenty year one year olds were playing that game, and so we should see significant jumps from not everybody. It's not going to happen with everybody, but most of these players, we're going to see. We should see significant jumps from a Giddy, from a Robinson Earl, from a Poku, from a, uh, a you know, trained Man. So. That wouldn't be out of the ordinary. And that's one reason. It's one reason you play so many, is because the odds are if you play enough 20 year olds, you're going to come across a couple who make significant jumps from 20 to 21 or 21 to 22. So, yeah, Poku's definitely fitting in that line. Here's the question. uh, about Poku, it's in my mind. It's no longer if, it's what. I still don't know exactly what he's going to be, or or how you can use him, or what's going to be his best role. But I'm pretty sure he's going to have one uh, because there's just too much there. He's too tall. He's too long. He's too skilled, and now the the uh, detriments, the problems. They're starting to fade and starting to minimize. So something good's going to happen there. I just don't know what.
0: Yeah, Poku is just definitely a polarizing figure. Who knows what's coming out of that? But you talk about taking another step. Um, a lot of people talk about the biggest step that you can take is going from an all-star to a superstar in the NBA. But I wanted to ask you first, what... Is an NBA superstar to you? Because I know some people get that confused, where they just think that all stars are superstars. But the reality is that there are stars and there are superstars above them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the NBA has a pretty good grasp on it. This is not a hard and fast rule, but that first, you know, all NBA, first, second, third team, fifteen guys, that's probably about right. Uh, there's probably about 15 superstars in any given season. Now, the problem is, you know, that those, those accolades change from year to year. And if you happen to not make it one year, you're probably still a superstar. Um, so there may be 20 in the league at any one time, but there's not 30. There's not an average of one per team. So we're talking 15 to 20 best players in the league. And the truth is SGA up to this point had not been in that group. He was not one of the top 15 or 20 players in the league. We did a uh, – for Gannett, we did uh, – we ranked the 50 best players in the league going into this season. Justin Martinez helped me put it together on a football trip. We went through the league and did it. And I think we ended up ranking SGA somewhere in the 30s. Um we were hopeful he was going to rise above that. But clearly he ha- he already has. And is he approaching the top 20? Is he in the top 20? Through seven games, he's in the top 10. In fact, I did some research this morning. Uh, I looked at another metric I like, which is uh, player efficiency rating. Uh, I can't remember if John Hollinger or who came up with this.
0: I think it was John. It's, it's a
1: it's a it's a number that just condenses basically your box score line and tries to put a number. It's not supposed to be scientific. It's not supposed to be you know irrefutable. It's just a nice general um, metric to where you can look and say who's in this group and in the top ten. SGA, SGA right now ranks third in NBA PER player efficiency rating. Doesn't mean anything except here's the other, here are the other nine players on the list with him. One, Luka Doncic. Two, Giannis. Four, Ja Morant. Five, Steph Curry. Six, Jokic. Seven, Damian Lillard. Eight, Jason Tatum. Nine, Kevin Durant. Ten, Anthony Davis. Pretty good company. That's the company. Doesn't matter what, forget the number, forget the metric, whatever. If that's the list you're on, you're in great shape. And- SGA's not only on that list, he's near the top of that list. So it's early. You can't say anything has happened that's that's chiseled in granite. But it looks like he's stepping into that status of superstar. That's what it looks like.
0: Yeah, arrows going in the right direction. I just jotted down the current superstars I had off the top of my head. And I had Giannis, Jokic, Steph, Luca. Joel Embiid, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Ja Morant, Jason Tatum, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Devin Booker, and James Harden on the edge of that. And that's around 15, like you were talking about, and it's around that all-NBA level. Um, Kenny Smith had a good model for how to pick what a superstar versus an all-star is. He said there are six ways to impact a game, scoring, passing, rebounding, defending, pace, and leadership. A superstar impacts at least four. Hmm. <clears throat> Well, that's interesting.
1: Well, if that's the true, let's put let's put SGA to that test. How many of those does he impact?
0: Uh, um, scoring, defending for tr- for sure. I think his pace is there. Yeah. And so that's three, and I'd say leadership seems to be there. He had a good quote the other uh, last night. They talked about Giddy said that or uh, Mark Dagnault said that they drew up a play for Giddy, and Shea has 35 at that point, and says, let me move further away from the ball so I can get Josh some more space since he's cooking. And Dagnault said, I looked up at the scoreboard, and I go, dude, you realize you have 35, right? But Shea just wanted to do the right thing for the team. So I think that's, that's leadership right there. So if you're going by that metric, so far it looks like he definitely is in that superstar category.
1: You never know what's going on on the inside. We don't know. Uh, Heck, there was a time when we didn't know the Brooklyn Nets uh, were not a a funny farm. But it certainly seems from all appearances that SGA is acing the leadership role, Uh, says all the right things, does all the right things, seems seems to be very popular with teammates, seems to be the guy they look to and are proud to look to. Uh, the Thunder, my impression in the last year, in the last year, maybe a little bit longer, the Thunder's impression of SGA has changed from one of, we hope he's this kind of player-person leader to we know he's this kind of player-person leader. Not It's just, not just his on-court performance, but just the way he conducts himself the way he the way he tries to uh, carry the mantle for this franchise and this team, I think they believe in him now, heck, you know, they believed in some other guys, sometimes it paid off, sometimes it didn't. But I think right now you'd have to say that he qualifies on that leadership, spectrum, no doubt,
0: yeah, I think so. And you talked about um, superstars and kind of taking that next step, but I wanted to ask you how Shea compared to some of the superstars that you've seen through the past um, coming through OKC, whether that's visiting teams or especially the guys who played for the Thunder and Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, when he finished third in MVP and Chris Paul in the one bubble year.
1: I uh, I don't know, but... The PG and Chris Paul. Here's what, what i like to do. We were lucky enough here, and you know, you were a kid when it happened, but you got to and you got to experience it too. Um, is youthful stars, stars at the launch of their careers. You know, we were there for Westbrook, Durant, and Harden. Harden moved on, so we quit caring about him, but. SGA and Durant have some similarities in this. We didn't get to see their first year. Durant's up in Seattle. SGA's with the Clippers. Then they land here. With, um, SGA is not Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was something extra special from the first time I saw him when he was you know, a Texas freshman. He was unbelievable. I said, this guy's unbelievable. Um, so he's sort of in a different stratosphere. The Westbrook one is interesting, though, because – You know, we are. I already talked about the similarities about people saying, uh, you know, could be defensive guys. You know, we think of Westbrook now as this whirling dervish, this incredible force, this guy that's pro, con, in between, can't be denied. He wasn't always that way. He was an athletic marvel, but we saw the progression of Russell Westbrook from rookie that some people didn't even know if he was a point guard to really good as a. That second year, a star in that third year. And by year four, he was a superstar. And I sort of see the same thing with SGA. Um, Lots of potential, but weren't for sure if he was going to be all you would ultimately hope for. And then eventually he he gets there pretty quick. Westbrook did. I think SGA is. That's what I like. Now, they're nothing alike as players. They're nothing alike as people. But that progression right before our eyes, from from uh, early NBA from NBA rookie to fourth year star, I think it's a, both are textbook ex- examples of the steps players have to take. Um, you know, we were lucky. Now, this is probably is before your time. The Chris Paul freshman and sophomore years in the NBA. Um, of course, he got to play here. With the Hornets back in uh oh five, oh six and then oh six oh seven. And um Chris Paul was more advanced as a rookie and as a second year player than really what we've seen out of most people. I mean, he's he walked in as the leader and the quarterback and whatever else you want to call him. Um but when you when you check out Westbrook and 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 SGA they weren't the same producers or the, even the same kind of players. They were year two from year one and then year three from year two. And then by about that fourth year, you were saying, hey, this is what they are. And this is this is this is who they are and what they are. They're only going to get better. And I think that's what we're seeing with SGA. By four year four of Russell Westbrook, we knew sort of what we had. Yeah, And eventually it became what everybody knows. I think that's what's happening with SGA. This is a guy, I think Dagnall talked about it last night, his incredible diversity of scoring. Can score a lot of different ways. Um, You've talked about his defense today. Uh, We just talked about his leadership, those things. That's what we're going to see out of him here for the next three, four, five years, hopefully in Oklahoma City. It's just going to be, this is what this is what we got. He's just going to be better than what we're seeing right now. And I think that's what we saw out of Westbrook. We sort of took us two, three, four, by year four, before we knew really what we had, before the Thunder knew what they had. But once you knew what you had, you you knew what you had, you were really excited. And I think that's where Oklahoma City ought to be right now is. Really excited about what this guy has become, which is, uh, you know, uh, a, basically a superstar.
0: Yeah, you're uh, hitting it right on the head with that, just his trajectory about where he's starting, where he's going, and that's very similar to Russell Westbrook, because it felt like he was really outperforming all the expectations, We're like, okay, well, this is as good as it's going to get, and the next year comes, and he gets even better. Okay, well, this is probably the ceiling, and he gets a little bit better, and it's just really impressive for a guy like SGA to improve every single year and he talked about that in a press conference last week where they asked him you know are you consciously aware that you're taking a leap every single year and he said yeah I feel like if I'm not doing that over the summer I've just failed to do my job which is pretty interesting compared to other guys like Ben Simmons who kind of look at basketball like a chore more than something they enjoy but luckily the Thunder are not in a situation like that with all that drama like the Brooklyn Nets like you mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the Thunder future seems to be in pretty good hands. It, it seems to be in pretty good hands with uh, the character of S.J. Uh, Giddy Dort. I don't know; uh, things can change. Who knows what will happen? But it's it's pretty good building block. Pretty good building block.
0: Yeah, and, and then, perhaps
1: uh, and perhaps expedites the rebuilding.
0: Yeah, and then you mentioned Giddy and Shea out of those uh, building blocks. How are you feeling if we could just get a temperature check on how you feel about them as a backcourt or duo right now?
1: The Giddy SGA? Yes. I still think it's a learning curve. I still think it's – they're still figuring it out. Uh, They're both excellent ball handlers in different ways, but both excellent ball handlers. You can win with that. I wish – one of them was a knockdown three-point shooter. I wish it was – well, I'd, I'd go with either one of them. You know, I was, I was thinking – because here's the deal. The way they both drive and penetrate, we saw it last night. All kinds of kickouts to open guys. That one stretch, really when the game got away, I think, in the fourth quarter, they get three straight open threes. They just missed them. Um Most I think most of those times is SGA getting the ball to somebody. But um, I wish one of them was a knockdown shooter. Probably never going to be giddy. But um, that's a really – I think it's just going to be time. We've seen that point guards can play together. Heck, you referenced it earlier. Uh, SGA once played on a team right before our eyes in which the best – the best five-man unit, including, including two other point guards. I mean, Schroeder and Chris Paul, they're best when they have the ball in their hands. He once spent significant time playing with both of them. So if you can make it work with three, you can make it work with two. And I think it will happen. It's just going to take time. It's just going to take a lot of time.
0: Yeah, I agree. I hope that they just get the time more than anything because it's kind of seemed like they are not – Intertwined, just because it seems like one's injured, one's not, one's healthy, one's not, and there's not a lot of overlap of when they get to play together. And I'm not even really thinking about it too much. If they do play poorly together, I just want to see as many reps as possible because if you get guys who are that talented and that smart and who want it to work, odds are it's going to end up working to some degree.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, and truthfully, early last season, was working halfway good. It wasn't bad. Um, so I'm not pessimistic about it. I just think it is going to take time. I just think it is going to be something that's not going to be natural. I mean, especially Giddy all his life. He's been playing with the ball in his hands, a guy, you know, that crafty. So he's got some adjustments to make and Shea does too, but uh, I think it'll happen. It's just not going to come real smooth.
0: Yeah, and I uh, I got to talk to Shea last night after the game, and I asked him because the other week he mentioned about how much NBA League Pass he watches. So I asked him, you know, watching League Pass, are there any other duos or backcourts or anything or combinations that you see around the league and think of, you know, uh, Giddy and I can emulate that or are there are things we can take from? And he kind of said no, which Joe told me later. He said, yeah, guys don't like to kind of give credit to things like that or inspiration they take from. But I wanted to ask you if there's any other combinations or duos or backcourts or anything like that that you'd like to see them emulate. It could be past, present, or anything like that.
1: Well, I can tell you this. There was a backcourt duo, a backcourt pairing a few years ago that I thought was the silliest thing of all time. Both of these guys got to have the ball in their hands at all times. They are not. They weren't just two of the best at the time. They're two of the best ever. I said, no way is this going to work. That was James Harden and Chris Paul in Houston. And they won 66 games. Now, it ended up tearing apart, not because it wasn't working on the court. It ended up not working because more personality. You know, Harden's sort of a strange ranger, and Chris Paul's a dominant person. Just didn't mix. But when they played and in their right minds, it was great. So, you know, I don't know. I, what I don't know is this, and I thought I did. Before this season, I thought I knew the answer to this question, which is which one's actually going to become the true point guard? Who's going to have initiate the offense the most? Who's going to bring up the ball and get everybody settled and say, let's go? I thought it before this season, after last season, I was pretty sure it was gonna be Josh Giddy. Now I'm not so sure. Now I'm not so sure. I think we gotta give it more time. Cause Shea is so good at at that that maybe maybe they run an offense where he's the initiator and on a regular basis, he kicks to Giddy, who doesn't shoot an open three. He initiates from the wing or wherever he's at, doesn't matter. So I don't know. I just, that's been my impression. And maybe that's been caused by the sprained ankle. And I don't know. But that's just, that's how I felt going into this season that Shea's eventually going to be a two guard and maybe he will be. But I'm not so sure now.
0: Not so sure. Yeah, I agree. I think a little bit is they're just riding the hot hand right now. And you mentioned Giddy coming back from injury. But I think a lot of it will come down to is what do we see in crunch time and then just sort of open the games? I think Giddy, they get it a lot to him in the open floor, but it seems like in the half court, they want Shea operating a little bit more. And then uh, I love the comp of James Harden to Chris Paul. I've mentioned that before to a couple of people around me. I like that one. Obviously, it's not one-to-one with Chris Paul being six foot and Josh Giddey being six nine, but, but there are, are some similarities, similarities between, between James, James Harden and there. Shea and just the pace yeah. they play at, and then Chris Paul is a passer. But I like that idea of just having an elite ball handler on the floor at all times, but as you mentioned before, the biggest problem compared to those guys is both of them could shoot the ball on or off the ball, and that's what's holding back the thunder right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's bad enough that neither one of them – SGA's an okay shooter. I'm not too worried about his shot, but Giddy can't shoot a lick, and the other teammates can't either. Houston was full of shooters yeah. around Harden and Paul, so the whole dang team could shoot. So it's not a great comp, but it does in terms of working together, when you look at it, you say, well, it didn't work, and th- there's an argument to be made for that, but to me, it was more personality driven it wasn't it wasn't talent driven or you know paul Paula acquiesced. Harden was still the point guard in Houston, the dangest thing I ever saw. but um, so we'll see. Giddy and SGA seem to have the demeanors and the attitudes to make it work. Everybody can make us, you know, can fool us. Kevin Durant, exhibit A. But it appears that way for now. It appears that way.
0: Well, and how much do you think that goes into it? I mean, you mentioned Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook of these guys who just between Shane Giddy who want it to work and just how much how important that is um, in, I guess, the process of this hopefully working out
1: yeah uh well it's it's everything it's not if they don't want it to work it's not going to Um, but i think they do i hope they have both bought in i think they have i don't think into the idea of building something special in oklahoma city um probably have almost surely have now sustaining that attitude is different from having that attitude. So that's a constant churn that the thunder's got to deal with. Uh, that's why I think it's important, I think it's important to to not ne- not just in the one loss record, but the one loss record matters to show all kinds of improvement. The kind of things we've seen this year, these games, no blowouts, these games are funds, great comeback, four and four record against a tough schedule lots to be encouraged about i think that's important to keep these guys engaged and thinking hey we're on the right track and and keep their attitudes right so that's to me that's big to me that's big and and the, and the signs so far in this season are encouraging i can say this i have found these 8 games much uh, this is more fun than at any point last season and any point in the last half of the previous season. That first half season of tanking, basically the Al Horford era of Thunder basketball, was pretty fun. I enjoyed that. I think, were they 19 and 24? Something. I think that was the record when SGA got hurt, if I remember right. They weren't great, but they were pretty competitive. They weren't bad. Um, this is, uh, since then it's, it's been pretty dire. Um, this, what I'm seeing is not that in terms of fun, enjoyment, good basketball. I, I, I think the thunder has taken a step, a significant step in this rebuilding where it's at. I don't know, but it's much It's much advanced from where it has been. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun going forward. They even have a game tomorrow night against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Attenacumbo. But uh, I think that's all the time we have for today. Barry, thanks for coming on with me. Is there anything you have to plug right now? I know that you have some work and some articles about Gonzaga potentially moving to the Big 12 and some other things like that.
1: Yeah, you know, I I actually am doing one on my scissor tails. I am actually got an item on SGA. Uh, going to come really? out this afternoon. Yeah, just just looking at these games and uh, what the start he's off to. Some of that per stuff I talked about the group he's, you know, the the uh, the class that he sort of uh, come into. So look for that this afternoon, Friday afternoon.
0: For sure. That'll be a must read. Well, thanks again for coming on with me, Barry. It's been fun. Uh, We'll talk next time as always. And uh, thanks for listening to the Thunder Buddies. We'll be back every Tuesday and Friday. We are brought to you by the Oklahoman. Thank you so much for listening.